Dueling Genre Productions presents... Oh my God, do you see that? When a freak accident strikes McKinney City, ordinary citizens are given amazing abilities. I can move things with my mind. Oh my God, I'm flying. I can fly. I can teleport and I can fly. Super senses. What, like Daredevil? We are just playing fast and loose with this whole science thing today, aren't we? Now, there are villains. Billy, when you have an arch nemesis, do you just kill them immediately? No. You tie the ropes just loose enough so that they can keep escaping. That way, when you finally do win the day, you can sleep well knowing that you rose to the challenge. Your brain works differently than other people's, doesn't it? And heroes. Leah Markowitz, Gwendolyn Allen, Jeffrey Gibson, Mindy Gibson, Simon Holt, Splendid, you're all here. I'm going to make you all into superheroes. Screw it. Let's go save the day. The Powerful. After I drain everyone here, McKinney City will be mine. I'm going to show this whole city what real passion truly is. And the underdogs. You're all imagining me as a singing, dancing chipmunk right now, aren't you? The people in that store need help, and we can help them in a way no one else can. We have great power, which means they're our responsibility. I mean, Jesus, what's the point of having five freaking Spider-Man movies if we can't even learn to do that? Geek by Night, an original podcast series about five friends running a comic book store with superpowers. You're really going to keep running a comic book shop while trying to be superheroes? It might not always be easy, but I think the world could use a few more underdogs. Available at DuelingGenre.com and podcast apps everywhere. Dueling Genre Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring, one epic battle sequence at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And joining us today, we have Chris O'Connor from Geek by Night and also the upcoming podcast Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Minute. Hello. Hi, guys. How are you? I'm good. I'm really glad to be here for the epic battle scenes. I love the epic battle scenes. I wish there were more (laughs) of them. I think I would be like more exhausted than I already am if there were more epic battle scenes. Oh, <laughs> we have more to come. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, Lots. oh, it's so exciting. Lots of them. So today we're going to be talking about minute one eighty six, which starts with Frodo uh, running his way through the woods, um, picking up from last week, and ends with Pippin jumping out of hiding and looking uphill at whatever's coming at them. Yes. Spoilers, it's a bunch a bunch of Urukai. <laughs> yes. Whole boatload of orcs. <laughs> Super orcs. Super orcs. That is what they are, yeah, really. I've, I mean... Genetically modified super orcs. <laughs> for battle. Sent after hobbits. <laughs> they're, they're very excited to feast on man flesh. Toddler mm. mutant soldier orcs. <laughs> they were made, like, how long ago? What? <laughs> A couple weeks tops. Yeah, uh, maybe a few months. A bad childhood. Oh, well, you can't say they didn't start early and do what they they love. I guess I don't know. They had a purpose. <laughs> Very few people know their purpose. 
Urukai know from Especially the beginning. right out of the, the creepy earth womb. But yes. anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, plenty of Urukai talk to come. Ugh. Yes. So, I don't know. There's a lot to unpack with this there's one. A lot, so what do we want to yeah. start on? There's, there's a lot going on because of the editing and how much things are jumping around and mm-hmm. how much, like, just terrain this scene covers. Like, uh, I, I suppose, like, I'd love to see, like, a map of how they shot this and blocked it out. But uh, I guess we have uh, start off with with Aragorn, Aragorn up there, like on the top of the mountain, on top of right. like like on top of the ruins, and then everybody's running downhill, and it's like I guess there's two sides of the hill. I don't know, but okay. So like my first question: What does Aragorn yell when he jumps off the thing? I feel like I should know it, but I I can't I, quite hear it. Yeah, I can't I, quite make it out. I can't like, quite make it out either. It sounds know. like. Elendil to me, but that makes no sense. You know, every time I hear it, if I'm only half paying attention, it sounds like he shouts "Have at thee," but that can't be correct either. <laughs> it's like Shakespeare, yeah, like Shakespearean, like, yeah, sword fights, yeah. Huh? I bite my thumb at you, orc. Right. <laughs> and then Lurtz bites his thumb off because okay, he's overexcited. But now, now I want Ugh. all the Urukai to be in doublets, like the puffy <laughs> sleeves. Yeah. They the might tights. as well, they might as well be for as much good as their armor does. Oh, um, this is going to be a running theme for the week. I really super duper hate the Urukai gear, like all of it. Well, not all of it. We'll get to the the one thing I like later, but most for the most part, I hate all their stuff. <laughs> I mean, the it's like great production design, and it looks cool and intimidating. And, um, um, and, you know, it's really awesome to see on screen and it makes sense for the characters, but like from a within the universe sort of, uh, thing, like I hate their armor, I hate their <laughs> swords, I hate their shields, I hate how they use them. I mean, I get it. They're untrained brutes. They've only been fighting for a couple of weeks, a couple months tops, but come on. Like yeah, they, they basically have bat swords. Like I don't understand uh, their swords. Like even the design of them, I've talked about it a little bit before when they're like, suiting up and ready to leave Isengard, but I don't understand how those are swords. They they intentionally designed them to look ungraceful because they didn't want to shoot a bunch of scenes of, like, the Urukai having legitimate sword fights. They're just swinging away, chop, 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 but it doesn't even because look it's like, brutal. It, it, it doesn't even look like it has a cutting edge. It, it looks like a giant... You know those those wooden sticks that you mix big buckets of paint with yeah it does kind of look like like a paint stick um it 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 makes sense and there is sort of like there's some um there's some historical precedent for weapons like this uh you know um like the closest european analog would be like a falchion um you know it's like a, a big sort of heavy sword although those still have a bit of a point um, and have a keener edge and tend to be shorter, but mm-hmm. it does kind of look like a, a, a sort of a fat blade, a fat like sort of cleaver shape, um, and and that kind of makes sense for this. And the sort of hooked back, the spike back, that gives them a little penetrative power, you know, when they're swinging yeah. at armored foes or shields, and you know they can also pull and hook with that. Although how much they do that, mm, I, I mean, they don't have much time to train this sort of stuff. So basically. I think like the the guiding principle of Urukai combat is uh you know you're big, you're strong, you're fast and scary, run at them and swing 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 and they'll probably <laughs> just die. Probably. Probably. Cuz there's a so, bunch of, there's like right? 
Do you think yeah. that their strategy is just like overwhelmed with numbers too? Yeah, because yeah. Saruman oh, yeah. is just that's what we making see here more in, in his dirt wombs. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what we, that's what we see here in this scene is like like uh, I suppose you guys like just um, I haven't gotten to hear it yet, but like the the minute just prior to this where Aragon like Aragorn Aragon Aragorn like <laughs> walks out into the field uh, at, to like meet the onrushing horde and like mm -hmm. you know kisses his sword you know doing a little salute like that that should have been a terrible mistake. <laughs> Right. Like they should, they do, they all rush at him, like, you know, as, as they should, but then they kind of like just sort of break around him like water and, and he's like swinging around and just cutting them down because he's got 80 years of experience to their couple of weeks. And, uh, and, and thankfully, like, like just before this minute begins, he like, you see him retreat from the field and go into the ruins and start to use the terrain to, to sort of control the pace of the fight and control right. how many of them have to fight him at once. Um, yeah. But but like the Urukai themselves all just kind of like crowd around and charge and they're like all trying to go up the stairs at once and nobody thinks to like shoot stuff at him while he's standing on top of the uh, <laughs> we on see, top of the monument. Right, because across this whole battle, we see a single Urukai use a bow. Yeah, like they don't have ranged weapons. Is Lurtz the only one with a ranged weapon? Or the ability to throw rocks like hobbits. Right. <laughs> or daggers like Boromir. Oh, or, man, or, doesn't Legolas throw daggers too? Oh, no, no, I think he keeps, his, he keeps his. Speaking I'm sure. Legolas I'm sure at some point stabbing. he throws. Oh yeah, yeah. There's this uh, the face I, stab. With I the love. Arrow. I love the face stab with the arrow. I remember when I saw that the first time in theaters? Um, I, I saw. I saw all of these in theaters. Like uh, this was my freshman year of college when this movie came out. Um, and I remember watching this scene and just being like over the moon with excitement. It was so good. <laughs> and and just like the creative, um, the creation, the creativity that went into the choreography was really uh, exciting to see. And, and like Legolas is, you know, using the bow in close quarters and stabbing them in the face with the arrow, which is interesting. Like his his arrows aren't very they're not very big. They're not very uh, thick as opposed to what we'll see later. Mm -hmm. it, but I guess like elfish uh, craftsmanship, it really is like the finest in all the land because he's like holding it by the back and he's got like, you know, a foot jutting out that he stabs into the orc's face and, and he pulls great. it back out yeah. and it's still in good enough condition to shoot. Granted, it only has to shoot like two feet, but it's it's impressive that the arrow doesn't snap. Yeah. Also, that face stab was apparently Orlando Bloom's idea. Yeah, okay. it's, I heard that in the commentary. It's like it's really great that they were able to get into it so much and and be given free reign to come up with this stuff and like mm -hmm. that Orlando Bloom came up with. I was like, hey, good job for you, actor. Nice, and, nice and work. That's creative. And that moment immediately follows like like shooting an arrow through one guy. It sticks out of his back enough. Yeah, that'll that be referenced later. Walks into him. Yeah, one eighty five. Out the back of the second guy. Yeah, that 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 kind of like it looked cool in the moment it's a great thing in the moment and as the, since the battle like runs so fast and hard it's the sort of thing that you don't necessarily notice but when you watch it minute by minute that that shot will be problematic in like uh like thursday or wednesday we'll talk about it when it happens when we just start seeing legolas gun down more orcs <laughs> yeah. yeah oh man, it's so good <laughs> so good because he, so, he he had um, archery training, didn't he? Yeah, he took, did a bunch of archery training, computer generated arrows. Yeah, yeah. But they, they all got to do lots of training. To, to, yeah. To yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, most most archery training doesn't involve close quarters combat with your bow right, and arrow. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
nobody's really like thinking of how to do that because it's not a necessity in in life for the past half a millennium. <laughs> right. I an, another quick note for this scene, the beginning of this battle, that there are over a hundred extras and stuntmen involved in this. Oh, it's crazy. There's over a hundred of them, and most of them returned for other big scenes. Mm -hmm. Most notably, a lot of these same guys are the extras and stuntmen for Helm's Deep. Helm's Deep, yeah. Which awesome. is pretty cool, because that means that all these stuntmen and extras like got continued work through all of this time. Yeah, didn't they film this scene in like the middle of the summer, too? Yeah. So it was like... Yeah. Really all the commentary really tracks are talking about now day. is over yeah. 100 degrees or over 40 degrees if we're <laughs> if we're being proper in metric but yes. uh, apparently like the urukai were were dropping like flies and had to be carted off and like uh, rehydrated well like we talked about last week aragorn's taking them down at a rate of about one a second so <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of yeah so they've got like over 100 stuntmen and extras like geared up i wonder how big is the actual war party that that lurts is leading here how, how big is it supposed to be? Like, you can't get a sense of their numbers from, like, that charging horde. Right. right. Um, and I don't think they tell you a specific number in the book either. So it's hard to tell. I would imagine a couple hundred. That seems about... That seems reasonable for traveling quickly. Well, I'm trying to remember just the... Because there were quite a a bit of them when they're, like, that scene where they're running out of Isengard. Of yeah. The ramp. I, it's probably that scene where we see the the troop of them in Isengard in the cavern. Mm -hmm. I would say there's like 250 of them. But I mean, like if they were engineered for this purpose, wouldn't you think that he would only need like 50? Not if they're not if their method of combat is like the unskilled mess that it is. There is oh, a thing like uh, having num like uh, quantity has a quality all its own. It's like the one good Soviet saying. Um, it's like throwing more and more and more people at a problem will eventually, you know, it's like if you don't have good people, throw lots of bad people at something right. and maybe they can accomplish it, um, which is kind of what this scene is. It's like you've got the the eight members of the fellowship, four of whom don't fight. Um, so you've got four good fighters against a swarm of super toddlers. Um Let's not call them that. I shouldn't do that. That's terrible. Because they're all dying. They're all dying terribly. Or they want to murder, which is either way a bad thing for toddlers. Just evil super toddlers. Evil super toddlers. Um, they are the super villains so, of babies. So, so oh, no. like, you know, and that kind of fits with like uh, the sort of um, the 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 Isengard, like Saruman's, um, uh, like his his modus operandi of of creating the orakai and sending them into battle, like they're supposed to be like this sort of um, symbol of industrialization and mechanized warfare, and and again quantity over quality, um, right? That that Tolkien did not like. So the idea that they would be like this sort of disposable swarm of um, brutes that get crappy weapons, uh, which was a big thing in World War One. you know, it was swarms and swarms of people given crappy mass-produced weapons, not much time to learn how to use them, and then they, mm -hmm. you know, died horribly in a field. Anyway, I got a little carried away. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. other shot in this minute before we talk about Mary and Pippin that I just want to, like, call out specifically is Aragorn being a total douchebag yeah, to that Eric yeah. running down the hill. Okay, I... <laughs> that's with his sword, right? So yeah. It's like ankle-biting 
this poor orc. He and just he hacks just, that yeah. poor orc off at the shins and he tumbles down the mountain. <laughs> which is good. Which is good. Always take whatever opportunity you can to kill any one of the enemies that you can get your hands on. Good job, Aragorn. He, he, that's that 80 years of experience right there at work. You know, I just feel bad for that stuntman. Yeah. <laughs> because if oh. if it's true that, that Viggo Mortensen was just incredibly rough with these stunt people, that guy probably really hurt his leg. I hope he's wearing shin guards. Um, like, <laughs> I, mean, it, hmm. I mean, I remember like they talked about how, how they do. Um, I don't know if that would have been. No, that wouldn't call for a digital sword. They probably just use like a foam sword, and he has to do a a a, a prat fall. He has to do a fall over the sword as it hits him in the leg. That makes sense. Yeah. So whoever whoever that was, they they did have to take a tumble and take a, a little whack in the shins, but it was probably a foam rubber sword. I don't think the sh- the whacking hurt nearly as much as the the fall. As the falling. Yeah. And there. Um. Oh, before we before we do move on to like you know the the intense like camouflage moment um like one one thing that that bugs me um and i guess we might as well get that out of the way on monday like the urukai like their swords in particular um like in i don't know i don't think in the movie they ever call them this but like in all the all the marketing and like all the sort of like catalogs and like merchandising stuff they're the urukai like scimitar scimitar which you know obviously like we've established it's not real um, sword. It's not based at all on what a scimitar is. Right. A very fine, curved, f- curved weapon. Um, like in in the Lord of the Rings, um, which confession I have not completely read. Uh, he doesn't actually call their sword scimitars, does he? Um, I don't believe so. Which is kind of like an interesting thing. Like I, I I'm, I'm assuming that in the books he doesn't call it a scimitar. And uh, you know, again, stop me if I'm wrong. It- I think they're just referred to as swords. Yeah, just swords. Which, so then, who in the production of the film decided to to label them scimitars? It's kind of an odd choice that sort of needlessly ties the Urukai to an actual, like, Earth civilization. Right. Um, That that little hook at the end does not make it the kind of curved blade I envision when I hear the word scimitar. Yeah, that's that's not a curve. That's uh, that is an L square. That's that's good for carpentry. It's it's a little. (laughs) It's just a little spike. Yeah, that that little spike. There, there are. Yeah, I'm trying to. I wish I knew like uh, African weapons better. There are a lot of like interestingly shaped like sort of uh, iron swords. It does uh, from like it does look more like a tribal weapon than like a sword. Yeah, but uh, yeah, because it's a cast piece of metal. It's because we see some of them being made, right? And they're cast pieces of metal. They're not like hammered out as well as some of the other swords that we see in the movie. Have you guys ever seen the uh, uh, the Scimitar Saga online? Like uh, no. this, this no. girl on uh, um, on this woman on um, she's on Tumblr, um, but I think like her her picture post of her adventures with her uh, Urukai scimitar are now like just on BuzzFeed. I, I, we can put like the, the link up in the notes if you like, but um, it's like from 2013 or 2012, this um, like makeup artist uh, who I guess at the time was just in college. She like on a whim, like, cause you know, that's a thing we do in college. I, I did this a lot in college. I bought a lot of crap I shouldn't have. And I have <laughs> things in my closet that I need to get rid of. But she was like, Oh, I love the Lord of the Rings and I love swords. I'm going to go ahead and buy this Orakai scimitar thing. 
and she did this whole like series of pictures where she's like using it to like get things up off of shelves and like cut up like vegetables for dinner and like she's like she like takes it to dinner and she's like sort of anthropomorphizing the orcish scimitar it's it's uh it's a great like hilarious series of pictures if you haven't seen it i should send you that i have not (laughs) seen that that sounds fantastic that that's enough about you know <laughs> the the, it's like the all works. Those pictures. It's like all those pictures of uh, various people that worked on the movies, babies and toddlers around the Urukai on set. <laughs> See, they're not but, heartless monsters. <laughs> I just think all those pictures are great because some of those kids just look totally re- relaxed, and there's just a big screaming orc behind them. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even. I'm looking at this this bit in the book right now and we don't even see the battle happen like it's vaguely described but it's mostly like they arrive to find Boromir like dead pretty that, much yeah that fits um, though it does say that Aragorn jumps down the hill and yells Elendil drawing his sword ah so, I think so he does say Elendil yeah. which sure you know <laughs> yeah sure you go for it Aragorn. That's, that's a very you know sort of uh medieval battle cry kind of thing like you know you, sometimes knights will I, I i'm not entirely sure like why or how it happens but like in in various literature or or, or stories like the battle cry will be something you completely don't expect it's mm-hmm. like instead of shouting like you know the the name of like their kingdom or something or or their house they're like all for the water boy or something and i'm just like what why <laughs> or yeah you know, for my ex-girlfriend she was awesome <laughs> i just think anyway. it's interesting that he chooses like elendil i suppose he is defending gondorian lands because they are in gondor officially now that's true and isildur is like not so great right because he's the reason they're there in the first you know, place. Elendil was the founding king of the yeah. the Numenorean realms in Middle-earth. Interesting. So, yeah. And then we have these nice moments with Merry and Pippin and Frodo. Mm-hmm. Oh, the drama. With all these these Urukai, the mighty hunters that they are, just gently <laughs> walking past Frodo yeah. while he's <laughs> not even remotely hidden. Just like shuffling down. <laughs> they do it at do the not beginning. Look around. They do it at the beginning of either Two Towers or Return of the King, and I feel like this was a moment where they could have done it in this movie, where they use the elven cloaks. Hmm. Mm. Well, I think... Oh, yeah, they that... had them by this point, didn't they? They have them. I think oh. that... we don't like... see them ever get used as camouflage <sighs> in this movie. Hmm. That's so perfect. I think this is kind of like a callback to when they're hiding behind the tree in the Shire. Yeah. The yeah. Ringwraith. And, I mean, hobbits are supposed to be good at the stealth. They have, like, high stealth mm-hmm. modifi- like modifier. So, like, <laughs> I think they... They're only high modifier. Them, yeah. Like, he rolled a nat 20. I think that he... This is them trying to communicate that hobbits are just naturally stealthy. People just ignore them because they're the size of children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and also, again, we're, we're talking about murder toddlers, so their experience doesn't exactly uh, lend itself to paying attention to your surroundings and looking behind you yeah they're just they're just blindly charging forward they're just gonna grab the first halfling they find i think if my leader was yelling find the halflings i would put a little more effort into like looking 
Some of them probably don't even know what those are. (laughs) Right. They're just like, what's a half Some of those guys are running around and they're just like, find the what? Find the earrings? What? Half of what? Half a loaf of bread? (laughs) Half? I give you half. I have scimitar. I I don't know. I love the like stupid little like noises they make shuffling down the hill too. They're just like hop 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 like. <laughs> you know, they're a little more effective than stormtroopers. Uh, um, uh, at least they hit what they're aiming at. Stormtroopers. We will, we will talk about that again in, in a couple minutes. <laughs> I don't think they are any more effective than stormtroopers. I think at least stormtroopers realize when something is amiss. <laughs> Like they're trained to hey, look. Hey, what's your right operating number? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're sending a team up. <laughs> they know. They know to check their corners. Right. Yeah. <laughs> doors and corners. Doors and corners. Hey man. Mm. I'll I'll take that. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, you know. stormtrooper armor is more effective anyway. Well, yeah, we'll get to that later. <laughs> Uh, we have we have Mary and P- Mary and Pippin looking confusedly at Frodo. Yeah, and Frodo's I, just like don't don't reveal me. Don't yeah. don't say anything. Don't look at me. So they're they're in, they're in a better hiding spot. Like we we see like just at the end of this minute where they pop out. Like they're like in a hollowed out tree mm-hmm. behind some bushes. So like they could conceivably sort of stay where they are. Whereas Frodo's just like on the other side of a tree, and he's really fortunate that these idiot Urukai aren't looking backwards when they run past. <laughs> right. Um, or that there's none swarming around the other side of that tree. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just, you know, the way the flow... That's just the way the flow of morons is going. Um, <laughs> I'm just so mean to the Urukai. Have I mentioned that I hate them? <laughs> I hate them. I mean, we're supposed to hate them. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I, I, I also hate them just because they're ineffective and dumb. That's fair. <laughs> no, I don't, I'm, I don't... I'm sneering from my armchair. <laughs> No, oh. I I don't understand. Like Pippin gets so upset when Mary's like, "Oh, he's leaving," and Pippin's like, "No," and he like stands <laughs> up and he's just gonna like walk over and be like, "Frodo, you need to come with us right now." But then he gets like interrupted. <laughs> he immediately realizes, "Oh, I've made a mistake." Yeah, <laughs> I, I have I have miscalculated. My uh, I have, I have revealed my position to the enemy. My, this uh, is my wisdom roll was a one. Yeah. <laughs> that was a terrible idea, Pippin. <laughs> and Mary follows him. <laughs> well, of course he does. He's going to follow his good buddy. They're, they stick together through thick and thin, and he's trying to get him out of the situation he just threw himself in. That's That right there is the definition of their relationship. Yeah. It's just Mary trying to get Pippin out of the problem he created Aww. for himself. Aww. Pippin's just trying to do right by Frodo. <laughs> I know, right? Though, Ooh. like you would be, they would be able to see the orcs running by them. Yes, yeah, they know. Did they think they know that was there. the last of them. Right? Like, <laughs> there's so many up at the top of that hill. Like, what is what is Pippin thinking? I think Pippin just his emotions got the better of him. In 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 the heat of the moment, the the passion, the passion just <laughs> burst through and made him dumber. Don't they call him dumb in like the director commentary? Yes. Yeah, they do. Poor thing. So I'm not. I'm not pulling that. I'm not being mean on that one. Like that was where I was getting that from. They're like, oh, oh look at this dumb dumb. 
And this is a this is a moment that's not in the book. This kind of farewell moment yeah. between Mary and Pippin and Frodo. In the, in the book, he doesn't. He basically doesn't say farewell to anyone, right? It's just after the confrontation with Boromir, he like runs down to the river, right? Yeah, he just he just runs off and he then... just runs into Sam, and Sam's like, "What are you doing?" And Frodo's like, oh, "Fine, let's just go." Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it's the long and short of it. And then all these sort of farewell moments are kind of drawn from people talking about having to say goodbye to Frodo yeah. before the death of Boromir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think um, they were saying like Aragorn's line about like, I would have gone with you to the end, like in the book, apparently that's something he says later, like when Frodo's not there. But they were saying that, you know, it works better when he, if he says it to Frodo. And I, mm-hmm. I agree with them on that, which, yeah. Yeah, you guys probably already said that part. That's okay. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> now, uh, I think that about that about covers this minute. I think. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a good minute. These are all good minutes. I'm so happy. <laughs> Yay! We're happy that you're here with us. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we are from the website duelinggenre.com. Check us out there, um, as well as all the other podcasts such as Geek by Night, which Chris stars on. I um, And. If you are so inclined, please check out our Patreon, which you can access from duelinggenre.com slash support. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to talk more about uh, the hacking and slashing of things <laughs> with you, Chris. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is going to be fun. <laughs> uh, as always, a special thanks to our Patreon associate producers, Leaper182 and Ed Foster. I hope everyone has a great one. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Kick Monday's butt.